0: Hello, uh, thanks for joining me on my IKEA sofa for another Facebook Live. Um, It is Easter Sunday, and it is also April Fool's Day. I don't know how often that happens, if only there was a technology that allowed us to discover those things. Um, But I thought this was a good opportunity to talk a little bit about the crucifixion and the resurrection, and connect it with the idea of foolishness. That actually, um, it might be quite apt that Easter Sunday has also fallen on april Fool 's Day, which is the day after my birthday by the way, I was forty five yesterday thirty first of March um, and thankfully, I was home uh, i 've been traveling a lot over the last few weeks, so i've got i 've got five days back in uh, back in the apartment and um, we 're recording some fundamentalist podcasts before. I head off again for my wake festival in Belfast. So, what do I want to talk about? Okay, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and foolishness, or the absurd. Um, you've probably heard me, if you've watched these videos before, um, talk about the, what the, the absurd actually means. Uh, basically, from Camus's point of view, the absurd is an experience that we feel when our desire for meaning and purpose and significance, which happens from when we're a child. I mean, when you're a child, you want to be the center of the universe. You want to win all the games that you play. You want to eat what you want to eat. You want to stay up as long as you want to stay up. You want people to love and respect you, all of that stuff. But you encounter a universe in which that doesn't happen, right? In which there are other people who want to be the center. Uh, in which you can't have everything you want, that your body actually won't let you do all the things that you want. And so our desire for meaning, purpose, significance, encounters a world uh, or a universe in which those things are withheld in some way. Uh, Whether we just don't get them or they seem to be actually taken away from us or whatever, We, we have this confrontation. And for Camus, the absurd is not on one side or another side of this. The absurd is the feeling that arises out of this confrontation, right? So whenever the child has a temper tantrum, you're, right, the, you're, you're wanting something and the universe, the world, your parents don't give you it, uh, and you experience this breakdown, this feeling, this emotion, this injustice, uh, that is, in a sense, our first experience of the absurd. Now, various philosophers um, want to explore how this feeling is actually uh, heart-baked into the universe itself. That's actually something that I adhere to as well. But we're not going to talk about that. I'm just talking about this feeling of the absurd. Now, what has that got to do with the crucifixion? Well, interestingly, um, from a from a philosophical perspective, the cross is like the perfect uh, example of the absurd. Right, it is a symbol that captures this uh, this feeling so beautifully, because the crucifixion is where our desire for meaning, purpose, and significance. So basically, it's God, right? God is in the world. God's going to make everything right. Justice is going to come, righteousness, mercy, love, all of this stuff, right? Uh, we expect all the wrongs to be righted. You know, the highest, the creator of the universe, the source of everything, the, the, the ground out of which all being arises, right, is entering the world. So that's the narrative. This is the, the, the symbol of Christ, is the symbol of God. And then he dies, Right. Now, for us, it's hard for us to imagine how ridiculous that sounds, right? Because we're used to it. But that's an, a, a crazy idea that, in one sense, our, our, des- our hope and our desire for the, the, the core being and purpose and significance of the universe, symbolized in this individual, dies by a cruel and indifferent universe, uh, an indifferent judicial system, uh, by the hands of the finite the infinite bleeds to death, right? That's a crazy idea, that the infinite bleeds to death from the knife of the finite. Uh, So when you wear a cross, in a sense, instead of thinking about it as a symbol, a sign, it is the rupture of all signs. It is a sign against all signs. Uh, The apostle Paul gets this when he says that it's a stumbling block to those people who want signs and it's foolishness to those who seek wisdom. Because technically, a sign in religious terms is a sign that God is on your side. So a sign is like the exodus, the waters parting. A sign is people being set free, somebody who's dead rising, someone who's sick getting well, right? That's what a sign is. Um, it's, it shows that, oh, God's on our side because our football team won, because our army won, because some miraculous thing happened. But the notion of a sign that is the death of meaning and purpose and significance of the death of God is a kind of a sign that, that overturns all signs. Um, and so in a sense, it is an absurdity. Uh, it is craziness. It is, it is the ultimate, the cross is the ultimate symbol of, of punk. You know, I've talked about this before, but punk is not so much in its origin, a new musical style, but it was that which ruptured all musical style. It's that which kind of like, overturned what we thought music was. Uh, just like Dadaism and art, or Occupy in politics, these are movements that, that don't so much give you a new meaning, but they rupture the meaning that exists. They expose something. Um, just like Shoah, the Holocaust, um, is not a meaningful event. It is an event in European and world history that, that cannot be given meaning. It kind of like blows meaning up. It is, it is that which defies meaning. So the crucifixion then is a type of proto-punk. Um, now then, in light of that, what about the resurrection? Well, okay, in the in the Bible, there's actually six resurrection accounts. Um, the earliest is Acts, and then the second earliest is Mark, and then there's a third one in Mark. Uh, you know, Mark has two resurrection accounts, and then there's Matthew, Mo, uh, Matthew, Luke, and John. So they're the kind of six resurrection accounts. And interestingly, the earliest two, don't reference a physical resurrection. It's by the time you get to the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth ones that that, that, that kind of appears. And how you can kind of read this uh, from a kind of like, this is a philosophical reading, by the way, of the crucifixion. So we're we're, getting, we're not doing narrative theology, which I despise. <laughs> and We're not doing any of that stuff. We're, we're looking at the, the, the symbolism, what's going on, in in the crucifixion and resurrection, from a philosophical angle. And one way of interpreting it is saying that the crucifixion is an expression of the absurd, and that in embracing the absurdity of the crucifixion, which would be wearing a cross or whatever, embracing the absurdity of the crucifixion, resurrection occurs. A different notion of God, the sacred, Um, the meaning of life arises not as a as a rejection of the absurd not as a running away from it but rather somehow by by embracing it and entering into it there is a different notion of uh, the depth uh, and meaning and beauty and sacredness of life Uh, which is similar to what Camus is saying at the end of the myth of Sisyphus where he says that we must imagine Sisyphus happy, that somehow it's in the embrace of the absurd rather than running from it, that we find meaning. So in a sense, you can, you can do a theological reading of Camus through the crucifixion and the resurrection where the resurrection account is, um, by entering into this crucifixion, this rupture of meaning, um, whereas, remember Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are made one in Christ. Uh, if you think about it, those six identity markers were, this, were six ways that you could, like if you were a sociologist, you'd be able to tell you know, life expectancy, earning potential, whatever, from these different identities. These were the identities of the day. And when Paul says that by identifying with Christ, you rupture your identities. Uh, what he's saying is not like there's now a seventh identity, which is Christian, right? He's saying, no, the Christian is the one who experiences the rupture of every identity, that they feel that they are someone, so you are an identity, and also that identity doesn't fully house you. It, it's something that you you enact and you are, and yet to be human is to is to somehow also transcend your various identities. Jean-Paul Sartre famously used the example of a Parisian waiter who was carrying a tray with like coffee. And the Parisian waiter was so acting like a waiter, like they were doing everything perfectly. They, were, they had their towel over one hand and the, the, the drink in the other hand. And Sartre looked at him and said, oh, this is bad faith because this waiter thinks he's a waiter. He's so playing the part that he actually thinks that his being, his, his kind of ontological reality is caught up in this contingent job that he's enacting. Um, and so when Paul says, neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, there is this interesting thing that he seems to be getting at, which is that the crucifixion, is what ruptures our sense of meaning and identity and purpose and significance, all of that gets ruptured. But then, of course, it doesn't end there. There is something about entering into that, like carrying your cross theologically, carrying your cross, like embracing the absurdity, the proto-punk nature of the crucifixion, that leads to your resurrection, that leads to a rediscovery of meaning not a mean of life, but a meaning in life. Um, a, not a depth that comes from being able to answer certain questions about why we're here, where we're going, what it's all about. But finding a significance in the midst of the doubt, the unknowing, the complexity, which seems to be hard baked into reality itself. So there you go. That's, there's just a few thoughts. Um, I, I actually go into a lot more depth in this, uh, in my PARO seminars. So if you're a Patreon member, you'll have access obviously to seminars where I actually unpack this in deeper ways and book studies where I unpack it. In fact, I might um, in April do a PARO seminar specifically on um, this notion of uh, the crucifixion as the rupturing of our sense of meaning. So I'll have to think about that. But, um, I know that this might sound a bit strange, the interpretation that I'm giving you. And, um, I have to emphasize that I'm like literally giving you a very big idea in like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, but if you think about it, that, Oh yeah, the crucifixion is the highest being crucified by the lowest the infinite dying by the hands of the finite, that there's something utterly absurd about this. It is our desire for meaning confronting death and in that desire for life and meaning and purpose confronting death and nothingness and injustice. uh, the The cross kind of in a sense is a collapse into a position of those two dialectic opposites and if, if Christianity means anything, it's not about theism, it's not about belief in God or anything like that, like that may at its core, it is about embracing this symbol of the absurd and somehow in embracing it, that negativity becomes a positivity. And at a very concrete level, that means, um, that, means that when your life is beginning to fall apart, when you lose someone that you love, when your political system or religious system begins to collapse around you, when you see injustice done against people that you love or done against you, whenever you lose your job, lose your partner, whenever you are estranged from your children, and life is painful and difficult and meaning begins to corrode, that somehow in the midst of that struggle and that brokenness and that difficulty, you can find a way to affirm life. Now, that doesn't mean to enjoy it at all. It doesn't mean to, you know, it's not happiness in any way that we would recognize, but it's somehow a way of saying, I can affirm life in the midst of all of this, and that there's something very true and very deep about that type of affirmation. It's very, very difficult to do, and that's why we need art, that's why we need musicians, we need comedy. Uh, We need good friends. We need a whole liturgical structure to help us do that. But that the crucifixion and the resurrection are an invitation into uh, encountering that death, facing it, tarrying with it, and finding a way to live in it and through it, uh, and to be able to say yes and amen to existence. Okay, I hope some of that made sense. I'm gonna look at my phone, see if anybody wants to say anything, ask any questions. Uh, Let's see. Oh, why aren't you watching Jesus Christ Superstar Live? Is it on live on TV? My goodness. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you're choosing to watch me. I'm sure there is a lot about the absurd and Jesus Christ Superstar. I haven't seen it for a long time. Um, Okay, let's see. Oh, there's lots of people from all over the place, from Thailand and from Canada, New Zealand. Um, (laughs) Caroline says, what is the practical application to help people survive life uh, of your superstar preaching? I'm not sure. we will survive life. I don't know what the of, I think there's a typo there. So I'm not sure what your, uh, what your maybe you can retype it. Um, but you might be asking, yeah, what is, like, what does this mean? How do you survive the, the rupture of, of, of life? Um, yeah, I mean, here's the trick, by the way. I mean, I say jokingly to people, and you've probably heard me say it, you know, I'm not trying to make you depressed. And then I say, I'm, I'm telling you that you already are depressed. You just don't know it. But the reason why I say that in some of my popular talks is, is because this is not about going when your life falls apart. Uh, you can either run away from that, like get drunk on religion or get drunk on alcohol or get drunk on CrossFit or whatever, um, or you can face it. I'm not saying that. I'm kind of saying that, that our lives are always falling apart. Now, that sounds depressing, but in a sense, there's the traumas that happen to us in life but there is also the trauma that is life itself. And so even if you've had a very fortunate life, there is still the trauma of existence and of you know, of, of fate, of guilt, um, of the sense of meaninglessness that can impinge upon us. And so it's like the only way out of that is deeper into it, to somehow make peace with that. That's what the theologian Paul Tillich is doing in his book, The Courage to Be. It's a very good book. Um, Let's see. Justin Combs is going to read your comment. Uh, Hi, Justin, I know you. Uh, If the crucifixion is absurd, is the resurrection absurd as well on the other end of the spectrum? The infinite was killed by the finite, but then the finite became infinite again. Exactly, Justin. Like the, the way, and I'm talking about the kind of like a, a way of reading the the form of the crucifixion and resurrection so in other words we're not doing we're not looking at the narrative or the story the, the myth or the, the or the history here we're looking at what does it uh what are the symbolic moves and what you have in a sense is the return of god after the death of god so after the death of the infinite by the hands of the finite you have christ returning were Where two or three are gathered together in love. So, the post resurrection meaning of God is those who love know God, for God is love. And those who do not love do not know God. Uh, And also the idea where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And of course, the Holy Ghost, the community of people living and loving together, uh, sharing. So, you have this interesting kind of like understanding of God that appears after the after the crucifixion which seems to be saying that in the very embrace of the loss of one type of god one understanding of god the religious understanding of god you have the return of god but has as that which is fine in love itself so you don't think of god as an object that you love but god as that which is discovered in the act of love itself so you have this very slight slight maneuver uh, and that's why, in a sense, the resurrection is so important because it, it's a, it's a things don't end with nihilism, things don't end with uh, the world is absurd and that's that um, there is this this second this second move but um I understand that this all sounds a little bit weird. The example that I use on tour at the moment is um sports, you know where like people watch football and people love football even though nobody ever wins. nobody ever wins football they win games even the super bowl after the super bowl they just keep playing football right it never ends and you know i that's why i don't like it but then realizing no no no, the point is not that your team wins of course you like the wins but it's about being with your team through thick and thin through them winning and losing um whenever your team is struggling right that's where a lot of the meaning of football is and so in the meaning for me of the crucifixion and resurrection together is that we discover that in the midst of the craziness of life and the struggle of existence, there's meaning, there is depth, there is significance and we can call that resurrection. All right. Um, thank you for joining me. I'm going to try and do a few more Facebook lives before I go on the road again. And, um, Actually, uh, there's a Fundamentalist podcast that I think is dropping today uh, where we, uh, Elliot and I, talk about the crucifixion. Um, so listen into that. All right. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Uh, go back to watching Jesus Christ Superstar and I'll see you all again soon. Thank you. Oh, how did I turn this off? There we go. Bye.